Today is the last message in our series, Made for Each Other. And today is perhaps kind of an unusual message. I acknowledge that right up front. Uh, because I want to talk to you today about saying goodbye. I've never, in 29 years of pastoring, I don't remember ever preaching a message quite like this one. Uh, especially in a marriage series. You don't usually think about saying goodbye when you're talking about marriage. You're talking about making it better and, and all those kind of things. But today, I want to talk to you about saying goodbye. I confess to you that cemeteries have always intrigued me in a strange sort of way. I don't intentionally go to cemeteries to hang out there or anything like that, but uh, when I'm at a cemetery, I find myself looking around. I find myself reading a lot and, and thinking a lot. And a few weeks ago, I was at a cemetery and I had a hard time focusing on what the pastor was saying. It had nothing to do with what he said, it was what was behind him. As I watched him and tried to listen to him, I noticed what was behind him. I'd seen it before, but this time it really caught my attention. It was a headstone with the names of a husband and a wife etched on it. The husband was buried there. The dates of his birth and the dates of his death were inscribed in stone. The wife's headstone was still blank. And that's why I was having problems focusing on, on the pastor's words. Because I began to imagine the marriage story that was pictured there. At one time, in my imagination, they were probably a young couple intoxicated with love and romance. And probably they stood at a, an altar somewhere in front, of, in front of family and friends. And they said, I do. And they kissed and became Mr. and Mrs. I, I sat there and, and thought about... They probably bought a house, maybe had a baby, maybe two, maybe more. And they began their lifetime together. I wondered about the memories that they made together. I wondered how many years they were married. And then I wondered what it was like for her to stand at that grave and say goodbye. Part of living in a fallen world is suffering the ultimate consequences of Adam's sin, which is death. None of us gets to skip that part, do we? None of us are exempt from that. Of course, death rarely happens to the husband and wife at the same time. You and your spouse were joined together, but it's very unlikely you will leave together. The hard truth is this. When you say, I do, eventually you're going to have to say goodbye. Now, if you don't need this message yet, if you're married, one day you will. D.A. Carson soberly put it, all we have to do is live long enough and we will be bereaved. They told you that in the wedding ceremony though, but you probably didn't notice it. In the wedding ceremony, it was part of what the preacher was saying, but you were young and you were in love and, and it was a beautiful day and you were looking forward to a romantic honeymoon and spending a lifetime together, but my guess is somewhere in that wedding ceremony, the pastor said five sobering words, till death do you part. You didn't think about those words though, did you? I didn't think about those words. I wasn't worried about those five sober words. There were just five words in a beautiful ceremony. But the sad truth is, for some of you, even here today, those five words have already become a reality. 
Time passes quickly. And with it goes husbands and wives and marriages. And you don't have to be a senior adult either to experience the pain of those five words. My daughter Lauren has a a friend whose brother-in-law was killed last week in an accident at work. He was 27 years old. They'd been married, I think, around two years. They had a six-month-old baby. And this past Thursday, his young bride had to say goodbye. And let me pause here to say two things to you. Number one, my goal is not to depress you today, though that might feel like that's what I'm doing. Uh, Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) My goal is not to depress you, and you may indeed shed tears, and I understand that. My goal is to help you with something we're all going to face. The second thing I want to say today is this. I want to acknowledge that I am preaching about something that I have never experienced. In some ways, I'm not qualified to preach this at all. So if you're sitting there thinking, Pastor, you don't know my pain. You're right. Pastor, you don't know how much I hurt. You don't know how lonely I am. You're right. I don't. I have told Lisa several times over the years, I hope I go first. Because I don't think I can make it if you go first. Now I know that's selfish on my part, but it's true. That's just what I feel. I think she can do better without me than I can do without her. So let me be a little transparent this morning and say to you that I am preaching about something that in some ways I know nothing about. I recognize that. But thankfully, we have something more to lean on today than just my experiences or my knowledge. As in all matters of life, God's Word is sufficient for everything that we face. God's Word is sufficient for every experience, every heartache, every problem. God's Word is sufficient. So today, I want to offer you hope, and I want to hopefully offer you comfort found in Scripture. And there is a story that vividly illustrates what some of you are struggling with today. It's found in Genesis chapter 23. Would you open God's Word to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. So what do you do when till death do us part actually happens? You do what Abraham did. We read in verse 1 of chapter 23, Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and weep over her. I did some digging and discovered that Abraham and Sarah were probably married for over 100 years. Now let that sink in for a moment. The Bible says in this text she was 127 when she died. And in chapter 25, we find out that Abraham was 175 when he died. And there's some other factors that figure in there. But more than likely, they were married for at least 100 years, maybe 110 or more years. So, they probably, without stretching it very much at all, they've probably very likely passed the century mark in their marriage. I wonder, where do you go for a 100th anniversary? 
You know, how do you celebrate a 100th anniversary? Uh, I'm not sure about that one, but, but here's what I also learned as I, did, as I did some digging. Not only were they married for 100 years or more, maybe 110 or so, but for 62, roughly 62 of those 100 years, they spent those 62 years following the Lord in the land of Canaan. They had not always lived in the land of Canaan. We'll talk about that story in just a moment. But Abraham wandered through the promised land with his devoted wife by his side. You see, they had left Ur, where they had grown up. Then they eventually left Haran, and they journeyed to Canaan. And I just want you to get this picture in your mind. For about 62 years, they're following the Lord faithfully together. In the land of Canaan. Side by side. Following and serving the Lord. Together. And now there was a day. When Abraham's life suddenly. And permanently was changed. Abraham went to mourn. The Bible says for Sarah. And to weep over her. He had to say goodbye. To his wife of a hundred plus years. I looked up those two words, mourn and weep, in the Hebrew text. And the word mourn means to beat the breast, to lament, or to outwardly express your grief. So Abraham, when he was at the, beside the, the lifeless body of his wife Sarah, the Bible says as he looked at her, he was outwardly expressing his grief. He was perhaps beating his chest. He was lamenting. He was grieving. And then the word weep means more than to shed a few tears. The word weep in the Hebrew means to wail. means to sob. It means to cry and weep bitterly. Get the picture of this old man as he as he's probably kneeling beside the body of his wife. And he is weeping outwardly, openly, sobbing, mourning, wailing, over the loss he has experienced. And some of you know those words, not by definition, you know them by experience, don't you? You've had to say goodbye to your spouse and there was deep weeping. There was deep mourning and some days there still is. You know what Abraham felt that day. You, you know that emotion. You know that, a pain, that pain. You understand Abraham's tears in a way I couldn't understand. Now, this is pretty neat. If you're taking notes, or if you want to write it in your Bible, in the column of your Bible, these are the first recorded tears in the Bible. It's significant that the first time tears are mentioned in Scripture, it's in the context of a man saying goodbye to his wife. Abraham's heart broke and tears ran freely from his eyes. And here's what we all need to come to grips with. Every marriage has a final moment. Every marriage. Every marriage has a final moment. And usually death visits one spouse and grief visits the other. But if the gospel is treasured in that marriage, when that final moment comes, Jesus will make the difference. Now there's two lessons we can learn from Abraham in the way that he said goodbye to Sarah. I want to just go through the text with you and, and, and give you a few cross-references. 
and learn some things about how Abraham said goodbye to Sarah. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you have to say goodbye, first of all, look back with gratitude to God for the person they had become. Look back, when you say goodbye to a Christian spouse, look back with gratitude to God for the person they had become. You say, well, where do you get that, Pastor? Well, we're given some information in verse 2 that might seem insignificant at first, but we're told that Sarah died in Hebron in the land of Canaan. I believe Abraham was thankful for that. Let me explain. You see, Sarah had begun her days in the far-off land of Ur. You are the land of Ur. The land of Ur is in what we would currently call Iraq. It was a pagan land. Like everyone around her, Sarah was a pagan woman. She likely worshipped the moon. If she was anything like her, the people around her, she likely worshipped idols, and she likely worshipped the moon. In today's terminology, we would say this, Sarah was a lost sinner. She had no knowledge of God. She was in a pagan land, she was a pagan woman, living in the land of Ur. But then there was a day when she met this guy named Abraham. And just like in today's time, people tell stories, well, well, I I wasn't in church, I didn't know God, I didn't know Christ, and and then I met her, or then I met him, and then I started going to church, and then I I started developing a relationship with God, and then I came to know Christ as Savior. Uh, That's kind of the story of Sarah. She grew up in the land of Ur, she was a pagan, she was not a follower of God, not a worshiper of God, and one day she met Abraham, and her life began to change. Years later, Abraham came home one day, and he announced that they were going to move. And they were not chasing a better job, nor were they moving to be closer to family. Actually, they were going to be leaving family. And, and Genesis 12 describes it this way. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And fast forward the story. Abraham and Sarah left the land of Ur. And they started their life-changing journey with God. You've got to get this picture in your mind. They're leaving this pagan, idolatry-filled land. They are leaving Ur, and they're starting to walk as a husband and wife, following God. You see, Sarah didn't just leave Ur. She left behind the pagan woman she used to be. Now, fast forward the story 60 or so years down the road. About 60 years later, Sarah died. When Sarah died, she did not die in the pagan land of Ur. When Sarah died, she died in Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The word Hebron means fellowship. The word Canaan represents the land of blessing. So when Sarah died, she died in fellowship with God, living in the land of blessing. And I might be reading between the lines too much, I acknowledge that, but I really believe that when those tears came out of Abraham's eyes and they went down his cheeks, I think it's very possible that at least some of those tears were tears of gratitude. Grateful to God for the godly woman Sarah had become. Because this was not a pagan woman anymore. As he looked in the face of Sarah, his godly life, living in fellowship with God in the land of blessing, as he looked into the face of Sarah... This was not the woman 
who lived back in her. She was different. She had changed. She had become a godly follower. A godly woman, a follower of Yahweh. And I I just want to say to you that if your spouse was a Christian, you have that same privilege, don't you? You could probably look back at what your lives were like over the years, how you started out in marriage. Perhaps you were both Christians, but, but over the years, if your spouse was a Christian, you probably can look back and see how that they've grown in their relationship with God over the years. How, how they have deepened and developed their walk with God. Thank God for the godly man or the godly woman he or she was. It's good when you can finish strong. It's good when you can look into the face of your spouse And say, thank you God for this lady or for this man who was still walking with you in the land of blessing. So we look back with gratitude at the person they had become when we have to say goodbye. Secondly, we also look forward with hope, anticipating what is ahead. Look forward with hope. I want you to read chapter 23, verse 2 again in Genesis. It says, She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Grieving is one of God's gifts to help broken-hearted people who, who have experienced the great loss. And, but there's a verse in the New Testament that you need to tie to this verse. In fact, I would encourage you to get your pen out and maybe in the column of, of your Bible, write in a, a two or three cross-references today. Here's the first cross-reference I want to give you. You see, there's a verse in the New Testament that speaks about weeping as well. And it speaks about how we weep as Christians when we have to say goodbye to somebody we love. Uh, it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you want to go over there with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve, there's our word, to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who are fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left, that's you and me, will be caught up together with them. You know who them is? It's your loved ones that have gone on to heaven before you. We'll be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord Forever, therefore encourage each other with these words. Paul didn't tell the Thessalonian Christians they shouldn't cry. He said you shouldn't cry like others who have no hope. Listen, 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 listen. In the Old Testament, the story of Abraham, he is weeping and he's mourning over the loss of his wife, and rightly so. But in the New Testament, we find out that when we're weeping, it's okay to weep, but we, we can weep with hope. We've got hope as we weep. We've got hope as we grieve. But don't be misled by that word hope. In today's terminology, we think of the word hope as a, I hope so. 
we use the word hope and, and there's some uncertainty when we use the word. We use the word hope and there's some anxiety when we use the word. It's, there's no certainty there about whatever we're talking about. I, I hope this will happen. I hope this will come about. But that's not the way the Bible uses the word hope. In the Bible, the word hope does not mean doubt or uncertainty. It does not imply that. But it means, listen to this, in the Bible the word hope means confident anticipation. Of what's to come. Here's the reason. Somebody get ready to say amen. I I need you to talk to me today. Here's the reason we can have confident anticipation of what's to come. It's because the hope that we have is not based on circumstances. The hope that we have is based on the promises of God. And the promises of God are as certain as if they've already happened. We have a hope that is certain. And in fact, Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So the first cross-reference to the story of Abraham that I want you to get is this one. When Abraham was weeping and grieving over his wife, I believe he was weeping and grieving, yes, with with, uh, sadness, but also with hope. You say, well, why do you say that? Hebrews 11.10 says, Abraham was not looking uh, for a city around here, but he was looking for the heavenly city whose builder and foundation is God. Now let me give you one other cross-reference to write in this story. In the Old Testament, we see Abraham weeping. And I told you a moment ago, for the very first time in Scripture that the word tears is used, the very first time in Scripture that that word is used is in the context of a man saying goodbye to his wife. Now the next cross-reference to write down in that column of your Bible in Genesis 23, the next cross-reference is in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21 Reminds us of where we're heading. Genesis 23 tells us about the first time tears are used. Revelation 21 tells us about the last time tears are used. Or the word tears is used. It says this is where we're heading. This is what's going to happen. He, Jesus, will wipe... Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning. Or crying. Or pain. For the old order of things. Has passed away. That ladies and gentlemen. Is where we're heading. When we know Christ as Savior. We're heading to the place. Where there will be no more. Mourning or crying. No more tears. John Newton. As he lay on his deathbed became silent and still. Somebody went up to his ear and whispered to him and said, Are you still with us? John Newton whispered, I am still in the land of the dying, but soon I shall be in the land of the living. That's where we're heading, isn't it? And if you've had to say goodbye to a spouse, let me remind you of the hope, the certainty, the anticipation you can have. 
that you're heading to the land of the living where He will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every sorrow and there will be no more mourning or crying or death or dying. And so I want you to go back to Genesis 25 as we end the message. I want to show you how the story of Sarah and Abraham ends. Back in Genesis 25. Verse 7. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Again, I did a little digging and it, it is likely that about 38 years after Sarah died, Abraham died. He lived about 38 years after she died. And for those 38 years, if you read Scripture, he continued to serve the Lord. You need to continue to serve the Lord too. He was faithful to God. I hope you'll be faithful to God too. And then after a period of time passed, it says in verse 7, Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. An old man and full of years. He was gathered to his people. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. The field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. And there... Abraham was buried with his wife. And there, Abraham was buried with his wife. And they, I know this is, this is just my imagination. And they etched in this burial stone his dates of his death. Sarah, Abraham, buried and lying there together so pastor what does that have to do with me because we all have to face where we're heading we all have to face that there will be a goodbye we all have to understand that when that day comes listen 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 if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior the goodbye is not quite as sad as it could be If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the goodbye means there will be a day when you can say hello again. Do you know Him? Have you a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Abraham wept and mourned for his wife Sarah, the Scripture says. But I believe he was grateful for the godly woman she had become. Over those years. And I believe he could mourn. With hope and anticipation. Of what's to come. I hope you can too. I hope you can too. Let me pray with you. Father. I recognize that in a crowd like this. That there are some very dear people. Who know far more about this than I do. And I pray that you would help them to hold unswervingly to the hope they profess. Because he who, is, who has promised is faithful. Thank you, Lord, that we're heading to a time and we're heading to a place where you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Thank you that Jesus makes the difference. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, 
It might be that you want to do what they did in the first service and you might just want to come and get on the altar and pray. Maybe you're going to come and pray for somebody who's lost a spouse or maybe you've lost a spouse and you just want to pour out your heart to God and, and just talk to Him a little bit. Grateful for the godly woman or man that He gave you. Anticipating the, the one day, the reunion to come. Maybe you just need to let God love on you a little bit at the altar here today. We did that in the first service. Uh, or it may be that you don't know Christ yet as your Savior. Maybe you don't have a marriage that was like Sarah and Abraham's. You don't have a marriage where you're walking together with God. You don't have a marriage where you know Christ and, and you have hope about what's to come. Today you can have that. Today you can experience that. Today you can come and trust Christ as your Savior. So this altar is open for you to come and pray or I'm here to help you, to counsel with you if that will help you in any way. We're here to do that. Father, in Jesus' name, we are grateful for who you are and for what you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen.